when you're down and trouble and you need some love and care and nothing well nothing is going right close your eyes and think of me and soon I will be I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studio, home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowler's Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show is regularly scheduled at the same time each week. PBA Hall of Famer Len Nicholson started the show in 2002. Since then, he's recorded over 1,100 shows featuring over 400 different guests, a literal who's who in bowling. So, Phantom fans, let's welcome our host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Cagle Company, the number one lane maintenance company in the world. For all of your lane maintenance needs, including 24-hour technical support, you can always rely on the Cagle Company. So, go to Kaggle.net. Well, Phantom fans, this week's guest is not only one of my favorites, but our polls tell us that he is also one of yours as well. And we did a Better show a few... check those polls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, we're going to have fun already. I can't even get a sentence in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we, we did a show a few weeks ago with Carmen Salvino and this guest, but we lost connection. So here he is again, the all-time great bowling writer, Mr. Jim Dressel. Hello, Jim, and welcome back, Bards. Well, thank you, and uh, it's, it's an honor and a privilege to once again uh, have a chance to get together with you. But and sorry you lost connection. Uh, we don't really know what happened. We got a new program here that records the show, and just all of a sudden you were gone, but we decided at that point to go ahead and finish up the show since I had Carmen, knowing that we could get you back again. And I'm going to still ask you some serious questions, because even though I've known you for about 50 years, you know, a lot of times, um, good friends, we don't know a lot about the guy about from before we met him. So I'm going to ask you some questions that uh, I've never asked you before. But Uh-oh. Now I'm in <laughs> trouble. I better go back into the witness protection program with Carmen. <laughs> you know, in, in bowling, if you're on a bowling team and you're bowling Tuesday night and you're bowling bad, there's somebody in your team who's going to tell you what you're doing wrong. So right. it comes down to everybody's a coach, you know, even though they're not a coach. And, and you look at all the social medias, and there's a whole lot of people that have an opinion about this and that as far as bowling goes. But there are very few bowling writers out there that really know what they're talking about. So. <laughs> I, I assume. Um, okay, I'll take your word for it. But uh, <laughs> well, I assume that you're a true bowling writer and that you have a journalism degree. So tell us, what college did you go to? Um, well, I guess this is the first surprise for you. I didn't go to journalism school. Wow, I'm I didn't know that. A, I'm essentially a self-taught journalist, if you will. Well, you went to college though, didn't you? 
Oh, yeah. I majored in mathematics. I have a degree in mathematics, and I have a minor in English. And I went to school when I uh, decided I wanted to be a chemical engineer, and I found out chemistry was too tough. It was a lot tougher than I thought it would be, so I switched to math. And, uh, you know, that's why I went to work for an insurance company. Uh, and I began bowling as a kind of a recreational outlet. And uh, basically got into bowling writing because I wrote an angry letter to somebody who published a, a bowling newspaper. I don't know if you know Norm Edelman, but he's the one who started the, the um, high roller yeah. And uh, anyway, I worked for him for a few years. And then Mort Luby, who was with Bowler's Journal, liked what I was doing. And he asked me to come out to Chicago. So that's how I wound up with him. Well, you know, I did know that you did bowl. And I've done a lot of research on all my guests, especially you. And I also heard that you were one heck of a golfer, too, back in the day. And you did also play some baseball. So let me ask you this. Did you have any thoughts of pursuing either one of those other professions? Well, I never felt I was good enough uh, as a bowler. I had a high average of 192, but, uh, you know, I had no aspirations to, to be a bowler in the sense that I didn't think I'd be good enough. I loved baseball, but I didn't, I wasn't quite good enough there. And, uh, so anyway, uh, um, all told, I mean, I wound up uh, writing and uh, using my English minor uh, to to get into the racket. So you call it a racket? I didn't know you were into tennis too. <laughs> well, actually, I played tennis, but I was no good at that. And uh, but whatever, you know, I I like to I like sports uh, of all kinds. And, um, you know, it was just one of those things of where I got into bowling and I found it to be uh, rewarding in terms of uh, having a career in something that was meaningful. I'm like, I figured I'd never come to any good in any other activity. So I stayed in bowling and uh, bowling riding and uh, had a good time. Mort, uh, Mort, was, uh, Mort was a good boss. I think I drove him nuts, but that's another story. <laughs> But, you know, I did see a picture of your bowling one time, and you had excellent form. Uh, you know, go ahead and brag a little bit. How high of an average did you get in the league? Well, 192 was the uh, tops uh, for me, uh, but it was that's certainly not good enough to be uh, a competitor at the pro level. And that yeah. was the only alternate, you know, an outlet for me as an athlete. Yeah. So I turned to, to writing about the sport. That was back in the day when the balls weren't as uh, monsters as they are today. But anyway, we'll go to another topic here because that's for sure. I, I just <laughs> I just had a call from my son. He's into baseball cards, and he he asked me if I saw what was going on lately with this one guy. His card just sold for like six million dollars, and yeah, I hear I that you used to be into baseball card collecting. So, do you know who this guy is? The car? Yeah. yeah. Honus Wagner. Wow. See, you do know all this stuff. That's great. <laughs> that was the card that Wayne Gretzky, the hockey great, uh, bought one time. And I guess, you know, he has since sold it, used it as an investment, and I guess, I don't know, doubled at least his uh, 
his uh, profit on that card. Wow. So that's that's an awesome price. Uh, have any idea about anybody else of whose card might be, you know, close to that in value? Well, um, I have a uh, I have a Mickey Mantle card from uh, 1952 Bowman. It's not quite his first uh, rookie card, but uh, I I kind of just really like it. It's 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 a nice it's a nice card. It's got four sharp corners. It's got it's well centered. The colors are vibrant. The only problem is there's a crease in the middle. And it's like, you know, but I love the card so much I had to, you know, buy it for myself, for my own personal collection. And I was recently talking to Don Drucker, who's used to be a California operator, a bowling operator. And I guess he's into cards pretty heavily. And I was talking about that card. And he basically said, you know, unless it's been run over by a truck and sometimes even then, <laughs> Those cards have a lot of value, so uh, I'm like, I don't know how how much value they have, but it's like, uh, it's a treasure card to me, and who knows? But it has to be graded. I think the grade would probably come out to be a two or three, despite all those other things, because of that crease, you know? Yeah. Wow, that's exciting to hang that on. Is it like your bank deposit box, or where is it? There you go. And I used to do be a dealer by the way and uh, i did some shows with somebody in chicago uh, a friend of mine named joe yalda and i did one show and we were kind of next to each other you know with booth space and he had a a babe ruth jersey from his you know days when he was with the orphanage back in baltimore and uh it, uh, in other words uh and he, i think he finally sold it for like sixty thousand dollars and I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing here with uh, these, you know, small cards? I'm playing penny ante against, against a guy that's betting the house. <laughs> all right. So I got another question for you. This one's a little bit deeper. All right. Are you ready? Sure. All right. I think this is a pretty interesting question, and I'm sure it'll produce an interesting answer from you. But if you could have dinner with anybody in the world, who would it be and why? Oh, wow. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll go for this one uh, in, in, in terms of my own personal experience. I'd interview... I'd have dinner with Daryl Imhoff. You know who he is? You know, I do remember that guy was from the Bay Area. He was a basketball player, right? Yep. He was in the pros for about nine years or so. He played for the New York Knickerbockers in 1962. And I remember that year because that was the game in which I it was played in Hershey Arena in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And we lived in that area, and I went with a few buddies to that game, and we could sit almost anywhere we wanted because it was like a third full. You know, it wasn't really a full house. But the reason I would want to interview or have dinner with Daryl Imhoff was he was the guy that guarded 
Walt Chamberlain in that game. And that was the game in which, well, maybe you can guess, uh, that was the game in which what what did Will Chamberlain do in that game, you know? Well, for it to stick out in your mind that strongly, um, I'll, I'll just make a wild guess. Uh, I know that he holds the record for the most scoring points in one game. Uh, you got it. it. The 100-point game? That was the 100-point game. Wow. <laughs> and me and, and now by about – you know, 10 million other people are claiming they were there. I was really there. <laughs> and uh, it was really an interesting game. And in that sense, we were kind of floating all over the arena. And then at one point in the third period, somebody said, hey, Will Chamberlain is 80 points. He has a shot at 100. Wow. And we decided to pay closer attention to the game. Yeah. And they were doing nothing but feeding the guy. And he finally got the 100 points. But it was like uh, very unusual in the sense that they didn't have a three-point shot. But the big difference was the fact that he was making all his foul shots. And Daryl Imhoff was probably a great contributor to that. And I could probably get uh, sit down and probably do an interview with Mr. Imhoff. And uh, it would be, uh, I think, worth, worth my time. It would really uh, be an interesting interview for me personally. Wow, that is cool. Yeah, you know, I, I know he went to school here in the Bay Area. He was a hell of a yep. basketball player. I remember he was a tall center, but I don't think he was anywhere near. I think Wilt was like 7'3", right? He was a, Yeah, he was 7'3". Yeah. But the thing about it was, and a lot of people forget this, he was averaging, at that time, going into that game, he was averaging about 62 points a game. Wow. <laughs> it's incredible. That's uh, That was the year that he finished with a 50-point-a-game average, and he was just incredible. And when I say he was making his foul shots, he had 28 out of 32 foul shots made, and that was the difference. That put him over the top. And he, he had a an ability like a Shaquille O'Neal at the foul line, which was basically – I'm. If you get 50%, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're asking a lot. But uh, he did it that game. And uh, anyway, it was the other thing amazing about that game, and this is going to surprise you, it wasn't really an exciting game. Because <laughs> the, the conclusion of the game was kind of in the bag by the third period. Uh, you know, we knew the Philadelphia Warriors, by the, by the way, they were the Philadelphia Warriors and not the Philadelphia 76ers. But the Philadelphia, the, the, the Philadelphia Warriors had the game in the bag. And it was like everybody was feeding Will on the, on, the, on the Philly team. They were feeding him all left and right. And, you know, it would have been a hard thing for him not to have 100, despite the fact uh, that we didn't have a three-point shot. That's awesome. You know, <laughs> I'm looking at the old clock and well, I got about 10 more questions, but there's one I've got to ask you because uh, this was kind of personal to me. Um, and I'll say it's a little bit sentimental, but when Dick Weber passed away, uh, I thought to myself, geez, you know, I was sitting here by my typewriter crying like a baby. And my wife came in and said, why are you crying? I told her Dick passed away. Yeah. And, uh, Great loss. Yeah. And, I started thinking, you know, I, I wish I could have talked to him one more time, you know. So 
at that point in time, I set up a bucket list of things I wanted to do before I passed away. And wow. I've been able to do most of it. I got a few left. Uh, I went to Yankee Stadium. I went to Fenway Park. I went to Wrigley Field. I went to the Astrodome. You know, there's a lot of places I've been, Madison Square Garden. So I'm going to ask you, uh, you're, you're about a month younger than me, and you've seen a lot of the world. Did you ever create a bucket list? And if you did, what one thing do you have left? <laughs> well, actually, I have a few things that are left. And, you know, coming off of that, jumping off of that last question you asked, if I could have dinner with anybody that I wanted, you mentioned Dick Weber, he would be at that dinner. But it was like it was a dream interview. I've already lived it because I had Dick Weber, who was who had an all time uh, as was an all time great. I had Earl Anthony, who was just at the top of his game right then, and you know uh, going on to a bowler of the decade year. I had Don Johnson, who was a star of the seventies, and I had Mark Ross, who was the biggest upcoming star at the time. I got those four guys together. I couldn't believe it that they said yes and uh, sat down with me we had dinner together and i did an interview and it was uh it was really kind of a, a one of those things where you had to kind of pinch yourself um to uh hey is this really happening yeah but it was really really enjoyable so uh so at any rate i've lived my uh dream interview if you will and that was that was it well let's hope that we both have about 20 30 more years we can get a lot more things on our bucket list to talk about. And I'm going to yeah. have you go ahead. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. I'm going to have you on a little bit more often because there's a lot of things I still don't know about you, but I got to know, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm an international man of mystery. You, know? you are, you are. There you go. And the one thing I'm really grateful is, is uh, you're healthy again and you sound good. And I'm going to have you back on again. And I can't believe how quickly the time flies on this show. And it's probably why they say it's the fastest show in all the sports. But hope that you all enjoyed it. Look forward to talking to another interesting guest next week. And we sincerely thank our sponsors, Storm Bowling Products, and Brad Edelman for their valued and continued support of our show. Now, there's another thing. Brad Edelman, you mentioned Norm oh, yeah. Edelman. So, there's a lot of coincidences in this world, Bart. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I've known Brad for a long time. I think he's and, a good man. It uh, was. Uh, it's been a good uh, relationship. Uh, the whole Edelman family. Uh, I really enjoyed being their comp in their company. You know, it was a, a loss when we lost Norm. Yep. Uh, recently, but uh, at any rate, uh, such is life. And also uh, a shout out to our newest sponsor, Dave Kowalski. He's with Auto Value and Bumper to Bumper Auto Parts Stores. He's also the past president of the Michigan High School Coaches Association. So for Phantom Radio, this is the Phantom. Yeah. When you're down and troubled. And you need some loving care And nothing, well, nothing is going right
close your eyes and think of me and soon I